You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Carpal tunnel syndrome is a condition that affects up to 10 million people here in the United States. Dr. Joni Columbia is a orthopedic hand surgeon at Prevea Health, and she joins us for this episode of Plug Into Health. And this is something that you see a lot of in your practice. Every day. Explain what it is. So carpal tunnel syndrome is something that affects the median nerve. So this is a nerve that provides sensation in most patients to the thumb through half the ring finger. Uh, So this nerve courses through a tunnel literally called the carpal tunnel with some tendons. And so when there's not enough space for that nerve, whether it's from swelling or from a mass, then the nerve gets compressed and patients have symptoms of carpal tunnel. So where is that, where is that carpal tunnel actually located? It starts at the base of the wrist. Yeah, so if you look at the little wrist crease or wrinkle yeah. at the bottom of your palm, if you go just distal, which is towards the fingers, mm-hmm. it's right there in the middle. What are some common causes of carpal tunnel syndrome? Yeah, so we don't always know the specific cause, but it can just be someone had a shoulder surgery and now they're having more swelling in their hand that they had before and they notice that there's more numbness and tingling or women who are pregnant, you know, have a lot of swelling kind of throughout the body and they tend to also present with it during pregnancy quite frequently patients with you know diabetes and hypothyroidism so metabolic conditions can cause the nerve to just be a little more irritable but in some cases we don't always find a specific cause is there ever any certain activities that lead to carpal tunnel syndrome if i am in a certain line of work or if i have a a hobby does that play any role? It can. I think it tends to be more people who are doing repetitive wrist motion. I think historically, you know, people had said it had been typewriting, but that is actually a myth that's been um, kind of disproved over the years. Um, certainly just anything where you're using those tendons and they start to get swelling could cause it. So I do it see most often in my workman's compensation patients who do a lot of just repetitive wrist motion. How do you know if, if the pain you're experiencing could be carpal tunnel syndrome? What are the signs and symptoms? Uh, So typically patients come in and they say my thumb through like half my ring finger just gets numb and tingly and sometimes it's constant, sometimes it comes and goes. Uh, A lot of times patients say they they wake up at night and they have to shake their hands out or symptoms with driving because you're kind of, when you drive, you kind of drive with your wrists bent in a little bit. So a lot of people get it with driving as well. So that it's it's noticeable enough to to the to the point where I need to make an appointment with a doctor, or does it usually come with they've come in to see uh, maybe a primary care physician for something else and happen to mention ah oh, sometimes I get this you know tingling or numbness in my hand, or can it really be that painful enough for someone to? make an appointment based on what they're experiencing? Yeah, there's definitely a variation in terms of presentations. Um, I do get a lot of referrals from primary care, but I also get patients who come in on their own. 
Um, I think the main thing is that if it's starting to wake you up at night and it's starting to affect symptoms, you know, or excuse me, activities, you know, daily living, like driving, then that's definitely a time you should come in. And especially if the numbness has started to become more constant, you know, more constant, then that's a sign that the nerve's been compressed for a long time. And at some point, you know, we can't undo uh, damage that's already been done to the nerve. How do you diagnose it? So carpal tunnel is primarily a diagnosis made by clinical exam. That's me, the physician examining the patient there's certain maneuvers we do to try and provoke the nerve however sometimes the nerve is not provocable and there might be other potential sources of the patient's symptoms or pain and in those cases sometimes we'll do what's called a diagnostic cortisone injection where we put basically a steroid into the carpal tunnel Uh, The studies on cortisone injections in carpal tunnel are quite good. Um, They show that, one, if you have a good response to a cortisone injection, you'll likely have a very good response to surgery. Um, They're also, again, very good at diagnosing it because if you have a good response, that almost guarantees you have carpal tunnel. Uh, It can also be therapeutic, so patients come in and their pain went away. Uh, The studies show, though, at one year, most patients will be the same, so it's not necessarily a long-term solution. I do it, again, either for diagnostic reasons or if a patient needs surgery but just isn't ready but they're miserable and they can't sleep, then I'll do it in those situations as well. We can also diagnose carpal tunnel using other methods. So some patients, when it's unclear, will send them for Uh, EMGs or nerve studies and that's done by a different type of doctor called a neurologist or sometimes physiatrists also do these studies and uh, I send all my patients before surgery to have it even if clinically they have it to establish a baseline in case uh, you know they're not getting better at six months after surgery it's a study that we can use to compare uh, from before surgery to after so uh, this is a little more of an invasive, invasive study and involves, you know, needles being put into the different, you know, muscles and, and along the limb. Uh, but it's sometimes an important study. It helps us, you know, determine if, if they have, you know, carpal tunnel. Uh, so it's rare for a patient to have carpal tunnel and have a normal study, but it can happen. And so that's when stuff like physical exam Uh, you know, comes into play. What are the treatment options for carpal tunnel syndrome? So the first treatment is usually a wrist splint. And most patients come in do have symptoms at night. So it's usually just a splint they're wearing at night. And um, anti-inflammatories, if they are having a lot of swelling. um, And usually that's enough for a lot of patients just to resolve their problems and not need anything else. Uh, I also frequently send people to physical therapy and they can show them some exercises that help with gliding of the nerve and I've actually been pretty surprised at how much patients benefit from that so I do send people to therapy quite frequently even if it's just a one-time visit to kind of show them the exercises to do on their own at home. At what point is surgery needed? So if they come to me they say they've already worn a splint, um, they've already got numbness that's become constant or if they're just miserable and they just can't sleep you know because the symptoms are so bad uh, despite 
you know, the splinting and other treatments, then that's when we're starting to talk about surgery. Let's talk a little bit more about surgery. What are you actually doing um, as a surgeon to alleviate the problem? Yeah. So there's a ligament that kind of, it's like the roof of the carpal tunnel. So basically we're making like, in most patients, a two and a half center incisions, although it can be done endoscopically through a smaller incision uh, in a select number of patients. Um, And you basically go down to that ligament and you cut that ligament so that the carpal tunnel goes from basically a fully circumferential tunnel to kind of like an open C where it takes pressure off the nerve. It's hard to describe in words. I usually visualize that for patients in the clinic, going from like this to like this, um, and just takes pressure off the nerve. And then they have some sutures. Um, They go into a soft dressing. Uh, They're on a two-pound lifting restriction for maybe 10 to 14 days until their wounds heal, just so they don't bust their sutures and wound open. And then after that, they can do whatever they want. Uh, it's still going to be sore probably, but they can technically do whatever they want after the wounds have healed. Is there ever a chance that it can happen again? Or is, is surgery, that's it, it's it's fixed, it's not coming back? Yeah, so the recurrence rate for carpal tunnel is 2 to 3%. So it's not common, but it can come back. Um, and if it comes back, uh, you know, depending on what hand surgeon you talk to, there's a lot of different ways to uh, approach recurrent carpal tunnel syndrome. What are your words of wisdom to someone who might be experiencing some of these symptoms you've been talking about? Maybe they're putting off coming in to see the doctor. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, for sure, if you can't, usually people who can't sleep at night, I mean, they don't, they come in because they're miserable, they're sleep deprived, and they just can't handle it anymore. But for patients where it's just kind of intermittent and, um, you know, just bothers them time to time, I think it's okay to you know, just kind of watch it. But if it does start becoming more frequent, starts waking you up at night, you know, just starts kind of being a little bit more noticeable, it's better to come in early and start treatment rather than waiting until it's too late. Any any risks of, of putting off getting care? Yes. So if the compression on the nerve um, occurs for too long, Um, At some point, those changes in the nerve are irreversible. Now, with that said, I would never recommend someone not do the surgery. I would just say that their risk of having a full recovery of that nerve are much lower, and it can be one to two years before we know what that final recovery of the nerve will be. And when you think of, we are using our hands every single day, really not worth that type of risk of putting off the care that you need. Yeah, it, it's it's really not. It's a very uh, simple uh, problem that can be addressed with some very non-invasive uh, things early on. And even if those don't work, it's a very simple procedure that has um, very good outcomes and uh, limited risks. There's risk to every surgery, but of all the surgeries, it's probably one of the least amount of complications. As someone who sees carpal tunnel syndrome in their practice every day, is there anything else you'd like to address about the condition? Yeah, I think it's important to know that there are other, are other things that can cause numbness and tingling in the hand. So, you know, I have patients that come in and they say, I have this numbness and tingling. It starts in my neck up here and it comes all the way down to my fingers. So uh, neck pain or stiffness. So you can have those 
So out of the spinal cord come these nerve roots, and those nerve roots then distribute down the arm and into the fingers in almost like a little strip. And so sometimes it can actually be the neck, so I'm frequently in a lot of patients getting neck x-rays, and sometimes people can have compression at the neck and at the carpal tunnel, which is what we call like a double crush syndrome. Um, diabetics tend to can have polyneuropathy where their nerves just from the diabetes not being taken care of can start to develop numbness that's more in what we call like a stocking glove distribution where it's like well it's you know numb from my elbow down you know that's pointing towards something else so I do think it is important that people see their primary care if they haven't and I'm worried about that I'm going to send them back anyway so it's not like they're not going to get evaluated for those things but I do think it's important that patients keep in the back of the mind there are other things it can be and they probably should start with their primary care to make sure they don't have something else going on. Really great insight Dr. Columbia thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Plug Into Health. You're welcome. And to our listeners to learn more about Dr. Columbia, make sure to visit Provea.com. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit Provea.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Prevea Health at Prevea.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Prevea Health. <laughs>